0: and and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I welcome you to the Harbor Worship Center. I'm the lead pastor, Mike Saines, and uh, we are in the midst of a series entitled, You Ask For It. And last week we started it off with the question, Who Created God? And where did God come from? That was a tough one. Um, But nonetheless, after hours of study and prayer and so forth, we we brought that to you. If you are interested in that, please check it out on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search for The Harbor Worship Center. When you see the logo, subscribe to our channel and you'll get notification uh, every time we post a message. Uh, we talked about the infinite God. I had to explain the infinity of God and the eternality of God in 30 minutes, and this is very difficult. I did it in 35 in the first service. It took a solid hour in the second. So... Uh, Uh, What does that tell you? You know, you you never know if you're here in a second. There's no boundaries that I have to live up to and so uh, anyway But today the question comes um, Was our country founded on God and if so How did we get where we are today? so um, If you were to ask um, a Bunch of people and say was our country founded on God you would have a bunch of them that would say Emphatically, yes, our nation was founded on God. And then you would have another bunch that would emphatically say, no, our nation was not founded on God. And each of those would give you evidence to lend credence to their belief. However, I I think um, what we ought to do is just look at the preponderance of the evidence. That's the larger portion of the evidence. And, And let's just see. But I'm just going to tell you, mycology, that's Mike's way of studying it and believing it, is that we were founded on Judeo-Christian principles, period. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to show you that, but the deal is this. We were not founded on God in the sense that all of our framers were saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire baptized. You can forget that. There were a lot of them weren't even close. Are you with me? Say amen. So, so it's not that they were all theologians i believe they did want independence from england and the imperial church there they wanted to worship as they saw fit they wanted to pursue life and liberty and happiness they were tired of the rule and the regulation of the crown and the taxes that was exacted from them without representation so uh, they decided to come here and i'll I'll, I'll share some things with you to, um, to show you this evidence, but let me share a passage of Scripture, uh, if I may. Psalm 33 and 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom hath chosen for his, uh, he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I'm going to tell you what happens if a nation forgets God. I, I hearken back to the Bible because... That's what I'm a student of. If we forget God, we literally become a byword among the nations. I'm gonna show you and just let you look at the evidence, but um, as I throw out some evidence uh, to, to answer this question, were we founded on God? And if so, how have we gotten where we are? Well, let's look at it. On every dollar you pull out of your pocket, on every coin you pull out of your pocket, it says, "In God we trust." Is it? I mean, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it's there. Y'all are getting a little quiet on me, but it says, "In God we trust." And then uh, I served as a bailiff in superior court for five years, and I'll never forget seeing the witnesses sworn in, and you know, would you raise your hand and publicly swear, or affirm, tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth? So help me. God. I'll never forget watching the President of the United States be sworn into office when the Chief Justice holds a holy Bible up there and they put their left hand on the holy Bible, not the Quran, not the works of Krishna or any other religious person, but they lay their hand on the holy Bible and raise their other hand and take the oath of office so help me God. Now, that's just a little bit of evidence that I feel like we were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. That is, from from, uh, Jewish life and Christian life. And I'm going to show you that's the only way it could have formed America in a few moments. But let me go a step further. Our songs that we sing talk about God's blessings upon this country. Our national anthem, um, our pledge to allegiance. Which, by the way, when I was in school, we had to stand up every morning, face the flag, put our hand over our heart, and say our pledge to the allegiance. <laughs> pledge of allegiance to the flag, and then we would, we would, you know, and it said, "One nation, huh, under God." Didn't say Allah. Didn't say anybody else one nation under God. Who's God? I believe the God in which now again I'm not saying that all of our framers were were hardcore church-going men. That is not the truth I'm not a historian. I study it. I'm not a deep Philosophical thinker, but I don't check my brain at the door when I go to class either Nor when I go to study for messages or, or come here to deliver what God has laid on my heart I believe without a doubt It can be stated and proven that our country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Let me just give you, I want to read the the preamble to the Constitution of the 13 colonies that originally came and broke away from England. Let me share it with you. It says... um, we, the people of the Confederate states, each state acting in its own sovereign and independent character in order to form a permanent federal government, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invoking the favor and guidance of the Almighty God to ordain and establish the Constitution for the Confederate states of America. Hmm. Almighty God. Now, so... so In fact, up until just a few years ago, the Ten Commandments hung from our courthouse walls. Are you with me? But now our, our society has done everything they can do to erase every vestige of Christianity, to take down every cross off of a memorial, to take down anything that points to God. Even in 9-11, when you remember how the steel was so wrecked and mangled, but yet there remained a cross in that somehow? And, and, uh, but our country somehow, and the, the vast majority it seems, uh, or at least those are who are in power to make the decision. I don't believe it's the, mass, the vast majority. I believe it's those who have the power to make the decisions. I believe the vast majority would still say, God belongs in this country. But it seems like we want to remove every image and every vestige of the Bible, the Ten Commandments, and they will eventually take it off of our money. Might as well take it off if you don't believe it anyway. But nonetheless, I want to, if I may, this morning to, to hearken back a number of years, more than 50 years ago, when Dr. Martin Luther King, and I'm, listen, here, I'm not here to preach a message on racism or, or um, you know, equality like that, but I, I, here's what I want to say. I learned something as I was reading this to, uh, this past week and studying and preparing, and, and I got something that Dr. King had keyed in on. I want to share with you. So, first of all, um, 50 plus years, more than 50 years ago, he stood at the Lincoln Memorial and he addressed a crowd of more than 100,000 people who had come to the nation's capital to march on Washington for jobs and freedom. King's "I Have a Dream" speech. Uh, is what he was there to share. His, his speech was steeped in biblical language. And um, he said, five score years ago, that's a uh, score is 20 years, a hundred years ago, he says, we stand in the shadow of a great man. He's talking about Abraham Lincoln. He's right there at the memorial. He said, five score years ago, as we stand in the shadow of this great man, he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And it brought a breath of fresh air. It it freed the slaves. But he says, a hundred years later, the life of the Negro, and I'm quoting him, is still badly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. The state of affairs signaled that America had failed to honor the sacred obligation of this, this great president who signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, Dr. King was on a crusade. Now, contrary to the way I grew up, I grew up you know learning from others parents included he was just a rebel that was causing problems everywhere he went etc and I didn't know no different until I was old enough to study on my own and some of you probably grew up in the same way amen or oh me whichever but nonetheless that's how it is so but dr. King was fighting for something he was fighting for the rights Of uh, In fact, let me just go ahead and show it to you. He had a dream that that there would be equality Because in those days and in those times and you and I don't have any Idea of it unless we really dig back into our history, but black person couldn't drink from the same water fountain They couldn't ride in the front of the bus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I'm not here to preach on this I'm, I'm using this as illustration. I want to get to where we are in our country today but they were treated terribly Now, I didn't have anything to do with that, nor did you have anything to do with that, but that is a fact. And so that's the way that, when I'm dealing with where our country's at today, and I'm going to say some things that might offend somebody and may not, but the deal is this. I have to look at the Word of God and take the Word of God for what it says, not what I would like it to say or what I thought it said, but what it says. (laughs) And that is the history of our country. We We treated them terrible, as we did the Indians, by the way. So anyway, um, So so let me go on. But Dr. King uh, drew on more than the nation's political heritage in his speech that day. This third-generation Baptist preacher uh, used Scripture in such a profound way. He echoed Amos' call in Amos 5 and 24. He said, no, no, we are not satisfied until, uh, and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Now, he's using the biblical phraseology and terminology and saying, we're not going to be satisfied in America until justice rolls all the way down. Until everybody is equal. And he had a good argument, but let me go on. Uh, He Listen, he he goes further. He contextualized a vision with the images of descendants of slaves and descendants of slaveholders sitting together around a table of brotherhood where black and white children got together. Dr. King would be pleased if he could walk down Pier 140 today and open our nurseries and see a black kid sitting by a white kid or holding hands and singing together. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, now what are you saying about all this, Pastor? I'm saying this, that Dr. King was fighting for something because black people and red people and yellow people and white people and everybody else, we are created in the image of God. All men created equal. But now we have a country that has tried to propagate various views and we, you know, Now a man can marry a man. A woman can marry a woman, and the Supreme Court has said it's all right, but I will tell you something. Nobody will love the gays more than the Harbor Worship Center. Someone says, well, Pastor, you mean tell me you don't stand with Orlando? Yes, I stand with Orlando. I did not put up a rainbow flag saying, you know, because I don't want to give the indication that because I love the people to death that I embrace that lifestyle. You say, well, Pastor, well, what about if our church was right there beside them? Would we have helped them? You can guarantee it. We would have opened our doors. We would have fed them. We would have lodged them. We would have done everything we could do to show the love of Jesus Christ. <laughs> why? Because they are created in the image of God. But do we condone what the Supreme Court has allowed? Absolutely not. And that's why, I listen, I prayed for Orlando before the rainbow deal. I'm in support of Orlando, in fact, I go down there, you know, a few times a year. Love the place. Love those people even though, but here's the deal, the country would have you believe because uh, you're a Christian and you disagree with that lifestyle that you hate them. Now let me say something else, Uh, and while I'm on this rabbit trail, I might as well go ahead and say it. Uh, Here's the problem, and it happens in the church. We have so looked at homosexuality, and it is a sin, there ain't no doubt about it, but we have looked at it so bad, we have somehow said, well, I'm not guilty of that, although I'm a drunk. You say, now the Bible didn't say I can't have a drink every now and then. I didn't say that. I personally don't do it, but that's you. But I'll tell you what the Bible does. say drunkenness is absolutely a sin. Now, let me tell you something. I can show you, and Lord, I wish I had all the stats. And no good thing has ever come from alcohol. I, I'm just telling you. But, but I'm saying this. So why we say, well, man, I'm not, I'm not gay, as if we're better off because we're just running around with two or three women. Huh? In other words, that lessens my sin because, you know, I'm not with a man, praise God. No, but you're going to be in hell with them. Are you hearing me? Why? Because all, listen to me friend, we cannot justify ourselves because we don't feel we're as quite as depraved as somebody else. And so we have held them up to a standard and saying, now that's a really, really bad sin right there. But I can sell myself and sleep around and do this and do that and the other, and I'm all right because I'm not doing that. That's horrible. So, so Dr. King was simply saying he was fighting for something that was biblically right that all men and women are created equal in the eyes of God and deserve the same treatment that is a just fight even though I didn't grow up learning it that way that was a just fight and now me and Dr. Strong can hug one another in the back of the church he said to me your son gotta have some black in and ain't no way he seems like that I said well I pray I prayed God for the blackness in him are you with me I love to worship God with all of us And I'm not superior to you and you're not superior to me. We are the children of the most high God Listen, but dr. King I always wondered where he got that speech from. I thought he dreamed it all up He read it right out of the Bible He was using biblical language to get across the point preachers do it all the time And he was a great preacher. He said this and he quotes it directly out of Isaiah 40. In verse 4 and 5, he said, I have a dream that one day every valley will be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. I thought he made that up. Isaiah wrote it, and he echoed it, and praised God. That's what he meant. That's what he meant to Israel, and that's what he meant to America. Wow. Wow it's crazy so 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 dr. dream or dr. King's dream is rooted in scriptural promise that ultimately and only one day will be fulfilled in the kingdom of God I think we're supposed to do the best we can the gays are they welcome here absolutely we're gonna love them we're gonna preach the gospel they ain't gonna serve in the leadership until they get it right with God are you with me and if I know if somebody's a drunk they ain't gonna serve in leadership to get it right with God or an adulterer, or fornicate—all all that is... Anyway, I, that'll be later. Let me again—we'll get this message. Anyway, so America was not a Christian nation in the sense that everybody was a theologian, no. Or, or required to attend church, no. But, but I do want to look at some things to show you that I believe the evidence is there that America was founded on Judeo-principles. Uh, in their view of God uh, first of all I want to look at the declaration of independence and I've only I've only chopped just a few statements from it I read the entire thing just so you know uh, so I have read it since political science class way back but uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created equal that they were endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights and among these are the life the pursuit of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness so um, those rights what he fought for are, are that 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 the the declaration of independence is for is for all men created equal no matter what color you are doesn't matter what nationality you are created equal and then he says we therefore the representatives of the united states and general congress assembled here appealing to the capital supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge each ourselves to the other, our fortunes and our sacred honor. Then I move on over to the Constitution. The Constitution, while not mentioning God per se, uh, in the entirety of the document, here's the implications that come from the Constitution. The body of the Constitution doesn't mention God. However, the Constitution honors The Sabbath day, the Christian Sabbath. Did you know if a bill was written and put on the president's desk, he had 10 days to sign it. However, the Sabbath didn't count. Because they honored the Sabbath, the Sabbath is unique. It is Christian. Are you with me? Say amen. So there's an overtone there just to help you out. When the Constitution was completed in September 17, 1787, it was signed by the delegates, and then was delegates and then to be ratified by the states. The delegates signed the Constitution, watch this, in the year of our Lord. And then let me, of course, you know it went on to 1776 and all that, the official deal. But then let me take you to the parish. Uh, peace treaty the Paris peace treaty of 1783 this is actually what stopped the revolution brought an end to it and and I want to read you some just an excerpt from it the Paris peace treaty document was formally ending the revolution that granted the United States independence from Great Britain when the United States became a nation it was done in the name of the most holy and undivided Trinity that is uniquely Christian you would never hear Islam talk about a trinity. You would never hear Hindus talk about a trinity. You would never hear Buddhism talking about a trinity. That is uniquely Christian. And he said, we rely upon the holy and undivided trinity. That, is, that concept is unique to us. The treaty then ends just like the constitution with the statement is being signed in the year of our Lord. John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, John Jay and D. Hartley. So then Charisma Magazine gave us a little bit of evidence and I just want to read just a few of these before I dive in a little bit deeper. Here's a fact from 1892. From the discovery of this continent, the Supreme Court says, to the present hour, there is a single voice making this affirmation that this is a Christian nation, U.S. Supreme Court. Fact number two, Newsweek Magazine, December 27, 1982 how the Bible made America. And this is the revealing statement. Historians are discovering that the Bible, perhaps even more than the Constitution, is our founding document. Third fact, John Jay, the first Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, said the following in his last will and testament. Unto him who is the author and giver of all good, I render sincere and humble thanks for his manifold and unmerited blessings and especially for the redemption our redemption and salvation by his beloved son. Fact, Noah Webster, the founding father of American scholarship and education, in my view, he says, the Christian religion is the most important and one of the first things in which all children under a free government ought to be instructed. Let me go on a few more. Fact, the Delaware Constitution initially required that every everyone appointed to public office must say quote i do profess faith in god the father and the lord jesus christ his only son fact 1790 benjamin dr benjamin rush signer of the declaration of independence said this about our public schools but the religion i mean to recommend in this place is that of the new testament fact john winthrop in 1588 to 1649, words still ring true today. We shall be a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. And if we deal falsely with our God and his work, uh, this work we have undertaken and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be, uh, be a story and a byword in the world. Did you know that's biblical language? That we would become a byword. Now, so let me ask you this. Um, could any other religion... Birth, the United States could they have? Let's think about it. Think about India. If you go to India, it is without doubt Hindu. Are you with me? If you go to Iraq, it is without doubt Islam. If you go to Japan, uh, uh, there's Buddha and various other. You you see, um, but these could not do what Judeo-Christian principles have done. Because because first of all, this is where um, God chose this, if you will, to bring about this great nation. And let me say this, nothing that I have read to you heretofore would fit with any other worldview of God. Not the Hindu, not not, uh, Islam or anything else. So that brings me to this. First of all, I think there's enough evidence to show that America was founded on God. Not that everybody was a Christian, not that they all went to church, but founded on Judeo-Christian principles. A- amen, there's no doubt about that. Now, so so if that is the case, what has happened? Would you agree with me that something has happened? If I trace my our history back and I go back to the 60s, I can't remember, it was 60s, somewhere in there, Roe versus Wade. And if you look at that, all of a sudden, I mean, we used to be the number one superpower in the world, and it's arguably, maybe we still are, but but we used to be a great producer of jobs, a great producer of exports. Now we've basically become a service society. We don't really build much anymore, we just service things nowadays. Are you with me? Say amen. All of the high-tech jobs end up overseas. and, this and this. But, but let me show you this. I believe that we said, God, leave us alone. God, leave us alone. We take his word out of our schools. We take his prayer out of the schools. We take his commandments off the wall. We don't want him in the pledge. We don't want him on the money. And God says, okay, if you don't want me, I can leave. And so Roe versus Wade, we've killed millions and millions and millions of babies. Do we love people that have had abortions? You bet you. Huh? Do we love moms that have made that terrible mistake you guarantee we love you and will God forgive you you can guarantee he'll forgive you So we are compassionate. So don't 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 label me as a, a preacher that hates someone who has fell into that or into the LGBT lifestyle nobody love you more than harbour. I'll guarantee you that So but then we lost the Vietnam War 58,000 men didn't come home We had never lost a war are you with me? We used to produce nearly all of the world's food. Well, I mean, we had, we were, our standing was far and away. Everybody, and, and, and listen, America's still a great nation. Don't get me wrong. We just need to put God back at the center. But, but what is it that got us so far now to where people can take the very flag of freedom that men fought and bled and died for, and they can trample on it on Harvard University or, or wherever else. And people feel like that is—that's your right. It's just their self-expression. We'll take that right somewhere else because you do it here. We're gonna have you removed. That's how it is. You know why I raised my right hand and swore to defend the country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. You know what? And I'm I'm, I'm proud. I'm not saying we're the best nation in the world. I, I'm not saying that we are a godly nation. I'm saying I am proud of this nation. It could be better, don't get me wrong, but I feel like we ought to respect where we are, and if we don't respect it, we ought to go somewhere we find that we could respect. <laughs> I'm not seeking applause. It doesn't matter to me if you agree with it or not. I'm just... It, here's the reason we've got where we are today. The secularization of America. Secularization. Let me show you what secularization is. It is the process of which religious ideas have lost their social significance. There was a day when nobody would have thought of desecrating a church burning a church there was a day when people had respect for the house of God and or for the house of worship and for the man of God and for that matter they had respect for school teachers and law enforcement officers and judges and in our idea of placating everybody and pleasing everybody nothing's wrong anymore we, we, we have developed a drug and a disease for everything we don't want to deal with almost Lord. And I'm not a medical doctor nor a scientist, so y'all just help me to stay right here for a moment. But we've lost our shame. We have seemingly lost our conviction. There's nothing wrong anymore. I mean, we just do what we want to anymore. And like I said, we'll we say, Well, they're gay. Well, I'm drunk every night to numb the pain. And I'm all right because I go to church on Sunday and drop a little tithe in the bucket. Listen, you say, Oh, Pastor, you're just so hard on us. When I go to the doctor I want him to tell me the truth You know I went the other day and I've had this, this Small lump on my neck for all my as Long as I can remember It's not a bad deal but you know in fact um, Somebody cut my hair one time Said you might ought to get that checked out and I hadn't heard that in a while because I ain't got much To cut no more but Anyway so I said to the doctor the other day for a checkup And uh, I, I said uh, doc what about this right here And he said well I don't really think it's anything He said but we need to find out the real deal So I need to have a sonogram done of it and get you." So nowadays in the life in America in two or three months I get to go for one I might be dead by then but uh, anyway no but uh, so anyway they're gonna look at it and what it is is I want him to look at it and then tell me the truth either say hey pastor don't worry about it. ain't nothing to worry about or else to say set your house in order you gonna die and not live I mean I know it's coming one day we all gonna die but what I'm saying is this nobody wants to hear the truth anymore Nobody wants to hear the truth. They get mad and find them another church because they got them on every corner. You know why? Because we couldn't agree with this one. And we couldn't agree with that one. And so we come up with another one. And listen, I didn't write the word of God. I'm just here to be the messenger to share with you what God wrote. But sin... It's hardly ever preached about anymore. In in pastor's ideas to gain notoriety and big, big numbers, and and, and Dr. John said, "I, I am concerned about numbers. Why? Because the numbers have a name, and every name's got a story, and every name's got a soul, and that soul matters to Jesus Christ. He died for every one of them. Didn't he say, I know the very number of the hairs on your head and see every sparrow that falls to the ground. But why is it hardly ever preached anymore? In an effort not to offend anyone and to uh, so that many have accepted the notion now that everything is okay and anything goes. It's just simply not the truth. So nowadays I can just sort of have three or four wives TV says it's alright. Media says it's okay. Shack up with this one and that one and the other one. You know? Um, and, and but, but hey, at least we ain't gay. That's the way they say it. So they sort of justified their position. In, in the first service, I told them. I said, you know, on last Thursday, we, Kelly and I celebrated 32 years. 32 years. And I said to the first service, and Kelly's probably not in here right now because of this, but I said to the first service, I said, man, I remember when we first got married, so whoo-child. Man, it's kind of like the sand lot. Like, we was lotioning and oiling and lotion, massaging. You know, you know the Bible says, listen, let me, let me help y'all lighten up. Brothers, hear the scripture. Rejoice with the wife of thy youth, and let her breast satisfy thee at all times. What you say? I saw a brother just stand up and shout "No. huh? What did the word of God say? That, I mean that, yeah, So I mean so we got together 32 years, but long time ago, man, I mean, it was massaging and lotioning and all and after 32 years, man, we still massage and lotion and all, but most time it's what I see hot or being gay. <coughs> Are y'all with me. But it is my wife, huh? I'm not trying to justify it because I got another one on the side. I, man, I'd be in trouble. I'm doing good to keep up with the one. Are y'all hearing me? I, I'm simply saying I cannot alter the word of God to placate you or you or this belief or that worldview. But we have lost our shame in America. We don't think anything's wrong anymore. We, we, we say everything is okay, which brings me to my next point. So the secularization where religious principles have lost their social significance. And then there's another term. It's called the pluralization. Pluralization is where there is so many competing worldviews available and there's none dominant anymore. And you've got wonderful people that might mean well. One of them, Oprah Winfrey that says there's many ways to get to heaven well you know what I'm sorry that's just not true there is one way and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ God's only begotten son there's one way to get to heaven and that is to be washed in his blood to be saved and set free But we have a plethora we have a pluralization of. someone says well take this route you'll get there someone else says take this one you'll get there Someone says, take this when you get there. All roads lead to heaven. No, they don't. You and I will one day stand before God and give an account for this life. And he will say one or two things. Huh? He will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will now make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. Depart from me, you were her iniquity, for I know you not. There is still, I don't care what the world says or what anybody else says, God said there is a heaven and there is a hell. There are things. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. What if I am gay? What if I am a drunk? What if I am steeped in sin? Confess your sins and Jesus Christ will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What if I still struggle, Pastor. conviction hits you and you said something you shouldn't say, pray about it and ask God to forgive you. Ask the Lord to help you make it right. God help me to walk in the light. Because he's not going to just turn his head and look the other way. When his own son who knew no sin they said in one whom no guile has been found. Peter said um, a perfect lamb, spotless and without blemish no fault in him, they said. No guile in him. But he who knew no sin became sin for you and me, nailing it to the tree. And when he became sin for us, even his father could not look on sin and turn and look the other way. The sun refused to shine. The earth got dark. The heavens and the earth trembled and quaked. The birds quit singing. Why? That's what happens when God has to look the other way. I don't want a life without God. The same word, I'll tell you something about this word. I've enjoyed my Bible X life. group, And I said to them the other night, Bible in Bible X, this word of God has comforted me. This word of God has challenged me. This word of God has confronted me. This word of God has convicted me. It's made me feel good, and it's made me feel terrible. It's made me uh, do all kinds of... I mean, uh, times I looked at it, and I was proud, and times I looked at it, and I was ashamed because I wasn't measuring up. But I want to tell you something. Listen, how many builders we got in here? You ever built anything? Come on, let me see your hand real quick. Come on, especially, listen. If you are building, let's say you're laying out a foundation, and you've got the string pulled. I'm going to tell you something. You can't, once the string is set, And this is the building. You cannot move the string to the work. No, that is the standard. And you have to move the work and line it up with the string. And this word of God is the standard that has been set. And I cannot move the standard to where I am. Oh, I want two wives. I want six wives. I I want this one and that one, a black one and a white one and a red one. and, And you know, no, no, no. I have to move myself to the standard. So there's the secularization in America. See, like I said, if you go to India, no doubt it's Hindu. Go to Iraq, it's Islam. Go to Japan, it's Buddhism. Come to America, it's smartest smorgasbord. Whatever you want, baby, just believe it. And then it's your right. Um, and the media says it's okay. All roads lead to heaven, they say. Secularization and pluralization, where we have got so many things, and then there's a the privatization, where we, where we say, okay, just do what you want, just don't tell nobody. Just we and God. Nope. We got to do what He wants. And uh, as you stand with me, I close this. I want to uh, give you a warning. I think before we pray. Tomorrow we're going to celebrate the 4th of July our independence and um, I'm proud of our country. We're not where we need to be. We still need a lot of help. We need a lot of prayer. I desire for your prayers to be for our leadership in our country. We need God's touch. But I'm afraid if we're not careful we will declare our own independence from God and if we declare our own independence from God and say God we don't need you God help us if he leaves us alone I think he's given us opportunity after opportunity to turn back to him and I want us to take it because let me say this how does the nation turn back to God the nation won't turn back to God without the church heralding the message and if the church Listen to me, if the church gets more and more and more and more like the world, then where is the difference? I read something the other day that churches, in an idea of being seeker-sensitive, are now offering cold beer. I'm serious. Matter of fact, I read where a, a, a very well-known denomination at their general assembly just a few weeks back prayed to Allah. Allah in their assembly. I, I, cannot, I, I cannot comprehend that. Allah is not just another name for God that they refer to. Allah does not have a son. You all with me? Trinitarianism is foreign to that. There is no way that you, you say, well, you can just come and you, you can still be Islamic and, and you know just come and enjoy. No, no, no. There comes a point where we have to say, Jesus says you are either for me or you're against me. of you ladies had to tell your boyfriend at some point no 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 no. it's me or her which one's gonna be it ain't gonna be both cannot declare our independence from god so far we've removed all references it seems uh, in an attempt to make everybody feel at home we don't want to offend anybody it's amazing we offend so many christians we don't care about them Else we need God. And for America to turn back to God, the churches have to turn back to God. For the churches to turn back to God, it's gonna take pastors that'll speak the truth, whether you go. It's gonna be telling the truth if it hurts or if it don't. And then it's gonna take families, because families make up the church. Families that have to say you serve God as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and when families make their minds up individuals make their minds up the church has made their mind up like a mighty army we can take our country back let's bow together in prayer father in the name of Jesus if there's one here that don't know you if there's one lost and undone without you God Man, woman, boy, or girl, if there's somebody right here, Lord, that don't know you, Lord, I pray that you would come into their heart. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to them. Lord, our nation needs to turn back to God, but it happens in the home. It happens with the individual. It happens when my heart says, he's my Lord, and he's my God. It happens when I tell my family, we're going to be in the house of the Lord this Sunday because we serve God, Jehovah. It happens when we take a stance for the Lord and say, this is my position. It lines up with the word of God, and I shall not be moved. Lord, I pray for your people. I pray for your church. I pray for this country that I love. I pray for our president. I pray for the Congress. I pray, Lord, for the executive branch, the legislative branch, the judicial branch. I pray, God. Not declare our independence from you. I declare, in fact, our sheer dependence upon you. The words said, Except the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in okay? vain. Except the Lord watch the city, the guards rise in vain. And Lord, except you lead the country. Except you be for us, oh God, we're in trouble. So we love you.